Trying to be more structured, you see? That didn't sound structured at all. <laughs> well, you know, I try, well, but then Rudy fucking greases himself up and slips out. Well, we are recording, <laughs> um, so Emerson, thank you for being on the show. Hey, thanks for uh, having really me. excited. Outlaws is over. Yes, it is. We had a great time in that amazing house that we rented up there in Oregon. Yes. How did you guys end up placing? We placed third overall. Third overall? Mm-hmm. How did you do in the individual? Um, I I believe I tied for first overall. For for that shoot, I I, I took fourth. Yeah, that was but, the only thing I wasn't happy about that they didn't really put a lot of emphasis on the individual. At the King same time, even if even if they had put more emphasis on it, I I feel like it would have felt a little bit hollow considering Wendell's uh, experience there. What well, was my experience? <laughs> well, dropping, Hello. dropping an arrow there, like, you know, lost you the the overall individual. Oh, yeah. Sure. I mean, that was yours. You had the most consistent I was shooting having... all year. Oh, well, thank you very much. Well, but I kind of feel, though, like, because I, I love you, dude, but no, nothing against Wendell. I kind of feel, though, that the game is every little Absolutely. detail. It's yeah. setting your sight, yeah. not missing. And, exactly. You know, so if I, it happens, it happens. It's like I said, setting your sight is just as important as true. taking the shot and, yeah. and make, execute a good shot. I would know? not argue that, for sure. At the same time, I I think you would feel the same. Not, yeah, but... Yeah. But I, I'm not even really sure. I just... Brandon said that... He and I tied for first, so I'm not. I'm not really sure. What I would believe that you were. You've been shooting strong all year. Yeah, you you, you had a really much. good year. So was Brandon. Brandon was shooting <laughs> yeah, all year. It was long. it was a good year. Well, um, I want to just jump right into it here, Emerson. I think I think a lot of people want to know how you got started. Um, in these past podcasts that we've been talking a lot about trying to promote target archery and getting people into the game. Uh, what, what was your experience? How did, how did you, how did you become members of Monk Race? You know, national champion, national Reading 3D champion. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh yeah. First, let's, can we talk about what his, uh, what's the word? Accolades? His, uh, maybe it's the wrong word. Tell us all the <laughs> shit you've won, Emerson. This guy just won Reading in the amateur class, right? The, the NFAA the portion. The NFAA of portion of it. Um. Which is where all the killers are. Yeah. Right? Uh. There's some talent there. Mm-hmm. You did very good in Vegas this year. Um, yeah, I did okay in Vegas. Yeah, I shot uh, two down in Vegas. You held the state. That was my. That's been my personal best for Vegas. You held the state aggregate record for yeah. a long time until you beat it. That's why I brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> I cast it out and then I reel it back. Yeah. <laughs> Little self promotion there. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, well, what? But what else have you done? You, you've consistently placed high at I mean I I nearly do, every event. I do well at at the uh at the local stuff and and the uh, outlaw archers I do decently at but I don't feel like, you know, I feel like I can I can play with the big boys but but you know, I I'm not winning a whole lot of those things. That is the words of a humble dangerous shooter. Uh, well, it's also accurate. That guy will steal your money with that humble talk. 
Well, I think I think there's been some changes in your life. You when sure. when I first met you, you know, you were married, but you didn't have children yet, mm-hmm. and so you were spending a lot of time at the archery range, and then you had children, and then you know that sort of interrupted, you know, right. the, the you know two year period where you you weren't at as many events, but yeah, you came back from that little hiatus. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this year you really like came back from it, and then you and this is, I see this as a, uh, Emmy's just getting started. <laughs> Thank you. You know, I, I see, I see a lot. I appreciate yeah. it. I see more greatness coming from you. It's yeah. definitely, this is definitely a very sharp Emerson yeah. that's, that's come out this oh, year. But, but, but back to my original question though, <clears throat> like how did you get your start in, in archery? People, you know, there's a guy, there's a guy at a local club and he wants to do what Emerson Monkers does. Um, well, I started as a kid. Um, my dad found a, like an old longbow in, in some shed somewhere and brought it into the local shop, got it strung up and quickly moved on to a Matthews Genesis. And then pretty quickly after that moved on to, did you ever do the uh, NAS program with the Genesis or was it just Um, shooting in the shop? It was just shooting in the shop. Um, I, I, I learned from, you know, the basics from uh, John and Myra over the bow rack. And, um, you know, I shot for a few years doing that. And I got a, you know, decent freestyle setup. And then, you know, in my mid-teens, kind of dropped it for a handful of years. And then um, picked it up again when I was around 20 or something like that. And then, um, just, uh, started just workshopping and trying to actually get good. Cause I was, you know, were you, were you, <laughs> what, so how old were you when you came, when you, when you started shooting again? I was around 20, 20, some, somewhere around there. And how old are you now, Emerson? I'm 31. So this is like a good 10 years of workshopping and yeah. Yeah, and how many, how, and range. were you just going to local shoots going, Hey, I want to win this. Uh, I mean, back then I wasn't even really going to local shoots. Um, I was, you know, I was just hiking out to, you know, the farthest target that I could on the range and just sitting there plunking Practicing. arrows. Yep. And, um, this is at uh, Redwood Bowman. <clears throat> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Great club. We were just there today. Fantastic! It's about yeah. to get a lot better too, from what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, at uh, Redwood Bowman, Emerson, don't you hold the record? Highest yes. like highest score ever shot. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty incredible. It's fifty six, right? Yeah that that one that one really meant a lot to me because this is on a field round, correct? Or yeah. or hunter? It's it's field hunter. Field hunter. Okay. Um, so. Yeah, that one was like when I first joined the club. You know, I was looking at the at the placard in the club in the clubhouse, and that was like, I was like, that's that's me. I I want that, and it took me a while to get there, but and so that was one this felt really a, good. Was this at a club shoot that they they yeah. used place? Yeah, that's one thing I gotta say about Redwood Bowman that I really admire is that you go into their clubhouse and they they have their history out on the walls. And so yeah. someone can walk in there and actually see where there's the progression. We, mm-hmm. we talked about it in the past podcast 
you know, what's the progression? What, what, what does it take to get people interested? And it's funny how something as simple as just displaying historically those awards, even if, even if they're not the same as uh, like a, you know, someone winning a world cup or something, you know, something as simple as a small plaque like that on the wall could motivate you to. Yeah. To, yeah. And ultimately something like that really doesn't matter a whole lot, but that was one of my biggest, you know, but it didn't matter. It was important to you. At yeah, that exactly. Time, you know, exactly. And, it, and it, that meant a lot to me. At and they the created time. this beast. Of right? Emerson. Yep. <laughs> the shooting beast. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. If I shot four down a club shoot, I'd also be a beast. Yeah. You know, so mental, mental beast. Well, if I could shoot one down at fucking nationals, <laughs> I would also be. Hey, a dude, beast. this ain't about me. You don't got to stroke my ego, man. <laughs> you probably could. You probably could. Sounds very hard. Uh, you know, every time I've done something really good or like made my own achievement, mm-hmm. I've come back to a local event or a regional event here, and you have consistently beat me. <laughs> so well, we both we both have our. <laughs> Have our days. So, so, That's that humble talk again. So when you were <laughs> freaking me out over here. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Go on. It's all good. When you were when you were coming into it and, and getting better and 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 you're trying to get this plaque, um, what what um, how, what kind of process did you implement for yourself? Were you just getting good from shooting a volume of arrows, or did you have a more structured? Uh, process no I definitely had especially in the beginning definitely had a really structured uh, process and I took a lot from uh, the book core archery by Larry Wise Um, and he talked about like the shooting steps so I I think back in the day I I came up with my own you know adapted steps and I think there were something like 11 steps and so it was you know laborious um, I think probably overly so I don't think I would advise someone to work on 11 steps, but at the same time, there's little things that you just don't have in the beginning that you need to ingrain. And over time, you know, I wouldn't expect a seasoned archer to have more than three or four steps, to be honest. What, what, uh, what specifically do you mean? Like, like what, uh, or I should say, what what step in particular? I mean, you're talking about like your stance or yeah, something is yeah. Basic so in the that. beginning, it was like, uh, you know, your feet and how are my shoulders set and gripping the bow, gripping the release, how I'm raising it, how I'm drawing it, how I'm anchoring, how I'm, you know, starting the execution, how I'm following through, all that kind of stuff, which now. I don't really run steps consistently anymore, but I can come back to that. Um, and so my steps right now, if I want to, you know, define that is, um, strong front end, align with the arrow, smooth follow through. Um, and that's kind of just something that I can, it's, I've worked it so many times over the years that it's a real kind of mental rut, kind of in a good way rut, mm-hmm. that I can just kind of fall into. And I usually run stuff like that um, more in indoor than outdoor. Once I go outdoors, it's it's really hard for me to, to run a process like that. 
um, consistently. Indoors, I feel like it's a more stale environment. It's easier to to kind of run a mental process like that. When you're shooting outdoors, I know that if something frustrates you or something doesn't go your way, mm-hmm. you do look back to this process and try to, right? You still use this to try yeah. to, to tease out. Yeah, just kind of troubleshoot. Mm-hmm. Now, do you actually have this written down? Have you, or do you, or are you just going to have it? Yeah, I, I mean, I have little notes, you know, here and there that, that I can come back to. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure I have some old, some really old notes too, but it's, it's, <laughs> stop fucking with the mic. <laughs> I'm not touching it. Um, it's, um, well, I've lost my train of thought. Sorry. You were, you were saying that, that, uh, you have, you have the, your notes, but it's not in bits oh, and pieces. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very kind of, uh, it's not very specific notes. I'm not super technical. It's all just kind of observations on on what I am feeling that day that's feeling really good or something I need to work on or something like that. Now, do you think for like more novice archers that are getting into this freestyle game, do you think uh, it would benefit them to have four steps like this? Or is this something that... It took you years and years to, like, condense into these compartments. Um, you know, I'm not really sure, to be honest. I, I think so. I think if, if I were, if I were starting someone out who was pretty inexperienced, I think I would boil down the steps to some degree. Because I think 11 steps is, while there are a like you can break that down mentally uh-huh. into those different pieces, but that's, it's so laborious for the brain that it's hard to get in tune with your body. Uh-huh. So you're just complicating a, a system yeah. here. I think, yeah. uh, well, it's funny you mentioned that because in USA archery, they actually, for, for NTS, for recurve shooting, they even have it, uh, one that's adapted for compound that, that they, they're teaching 11 steps. But I mean, it, it goes from like stance, knock, set right. to set up and, and all these things. But what I, what I found is that exactly what you're saying, like if you if you looked at all those steps, like so many of them become subconscious or they're ingrained right. in here. It, it, and it's funny you mention that because um, Coach Lee has kind of modified his uh, linear chart and he he created this circle, mm-hmm. and and it, even though he's it's more complex, when I look at that circle, I, I see exactly what you're saying. I see front end on one half and back end on the other, and there's little things that you do within, within that, that that circle. Right. If you're looking at it like on a board and you wanted to actually map it out, um, so that that totally makes sense to me. Yeah, and I you know I think, I think sitting at a blank bail and going through eleven steps, if you're really just starting out. You kind of you kind of do need to make sure that your hand's yeah. in the right position, and you do need to make sure that you're drawing the bow in a specific way and stuff like that. So I think it has its place, but ultimately, if you're going out and competing on any kind of level, I think eleven steps is a little ridiculous, mm-hmm. and I think I think will just muddy the mind. You need to if I'm 
on an outdoor shoot, even if at the time I'm running those steps in practice a lot, if I get to a tournament and I, and I am failing to be rigid about, about running those steps every shot and it just naturally falls away, then I just let it naturally fall away. And I just, you know, unless I'm struggling and it seems like I need to be concentrating on that. Have you been able to identify or see in other people when, when like, it's funny you mentioned that because I can see that in other people that they look really good shooting mm-hmm. or you see them at the range and it's like you can tell that they're going through all these steps and they've been shooting for long enough. And um, it, I, I can see that in people. You can actually just see them going through, I think, way too many emotions mm-hmm. that are nece- that are, that are, ne- are necessary to, to, to execute the shot. And if right. they just relaxed, and, and just picked up the bow. Like, you're, you've already rehearsed those steps in your mind so many times. Right. Just let the program run at this point. You yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I am, I'm a, I think what has helped me the most recently is really the only thing I'm focusing on or I'm striving to focus on is my shot and coming back to my shot. And in the past, I've really... I think spun in circles trying to overwork my shot Mm -hmm. and you know one day I won't be shooting as good and so I will feel like I need to adjust in some way like if I'm shooting weak in the in my front half then I will try to you know I'll be thinking about it and saying okay well I need to adjust my grip in this way to get a little bit stronger and it might make me a little bit stronger in the beginning but then that's just something else that is not my shot and so I know that if I shoot my shot I can shoot well and and if I'm shooting poorly it's because I'm not shooting my shot and so if I try and overwork a certain aspect of it and try and evolve it beyond what it needs to then i'm just you're, you're basically trying to fix something that doesn't need to be fixed it just needs yeah. to be retuned and reset yes and then yes and so yeah. if if i'm if i'm out on the range and i'm and i'm concentrating on a particular part of my shot cycle let's say front hand i'm concentrating on that it's only to find what my hand is doing in relation to my good shots, to my shot, to my shot process. Right. When, uh, earlier when you said that, uh, when I had, or excuse me, earlier when I asked you about, you know, your process and, and how you developed it, now you, now you mentioned that you read, um, Larry Wise's book. Yeah. Um, prior to that though, would you say that you were already a process person? Cause it kind of sounds like when you, and correct me if I'm wrong, when you decided to start doing this and get better at it, mm-hmm. like you already had some sort of strategy in how you were going to do that. Is that kind of, have you played any other sports or done anything that prepared you for that? Or is that, there's archery like the first time that you really decided to do this? Um, Cause usually like you hear that from people coming from other sports. Like, I mean, I played like soccer as a kid and stuff like that, but not nothing, nothing very serious. No, I, I think, I think, um, you know, I used to play music when I was younger. I think that's something that sort of is in the same wheelhouse of, of you know, mm-hmm. 
because that's not normal for for most people to start any kind of sport and then and then think I need to have some sort of process. A lot of people, when they get into something, it, it seems like they just, you know, like if they're gonna play tennis, they they go to they go to big five, they grab a a, a racket and a ball, and then they just go and they just start hitting balls, and it's like, right, it, it's just, and so, but with you, I think I think that's a good lesson for people out there, that that you actually kind of thought about it and said, all right, well, it was really just a lack of information on how to get better and so i looked to where i could look and at the time it was books Mm -hmm. um that was what was available to me to to better myself so you know reading larry wise's books he goes over the process of developing the steps Mm -hmm. and each and each um element of the process and there are certainly things that i don't agree with with the book now but i think it was a good basis on like how a shot works Mm -hmm. you know and how he approaches like back tension um talking about the rhomboids and how they work and everything really screwed me up because i was trying to squeeze my rhomboids yeah and get that back tension shot and i just spent so long trying to do that and just fucking up my shoulder (laughs) yeah because the more you try and engage the rhomboid muscles the more you're actually engaging your shoulder muscles and making everything just not work not flow it's almost as if like you need to learn how to which muscles you have to engage and which ones you have to relax and which ones you need to yes to work to to get that shoulder in the right place so that it's actually yeah, absolutely. And I think Squeezing. it's more about learning what to relax. Is there any and other literature that you read or any kind of other books that kind of then maybe moved, you know, was the next evolution after reading Core Archery that that um, got you thinking about that? You know, back in the day, it was only Core Archery and what and just what I found out on the field. But, I mean, I mean, granted, I would be asking everyone that I could. So I took a lot from any source that I could, whether it be the people around me or, or you know, online to some degree. You know, you got to wade through a whole lot of bullshit on archery talk <laughs> to find good information. But it's there. Um, but, but that's kind of... In the, in the earlier days, that's that's all I was working with. Later on, you know, I really like the the book um, Think and Shoot Like a Champion by uh, Terry Wonderly. I, I think that's an awesome archery book. I like that book. That and then obviously one. With Winning in Mind yeah. is, is another go-to. Those are, you recommended both of those to me, and I thought they were both worth their money. So what I see here is, um, and what I appreciate from you, Emerson, is that you you have a way of I think of fast tracking people now that you've spent all that time going through it. Myself, I've spent all my time going through it. Mm-hmm. We have Wendell here. You know, he's been shooting two years. Oh, this is and, a little over three now. Okay, well, okay, <laughs> it's been a little while. In, let me put it. In I can't first, play that card anymore. I'm in the, the first, rookie. in the first two years, though, you you showed a tremendous amount of of growth and progress. Uh-huh. And and 
I would say, and I'm not, hopefully I'm not putting words in Wendell's mouth, but I think that's directly related to your guidance. And so, you know, I think I think you figuring out what worked and didn't work, you were able to fast track somebody. I, I like, think like certainly, Wendell. certainly there was some fast tracking. I think, I think Wendell certainly just has a mindset for archery, and would have gotten there regardless. But I don't know, man. You, I don't know. You shot. You, you did put yeah. the right. You taught me the, uh, you know, your way of shooting the hinge, and you told me about not changing gear, right? Like that was one yeah, of the big that, things. Those are important stuff. That's important stuff to learn, certainly. And that's that's where I made all my growth is mm-hmm. there. You know. Yeah, it was it was crazy to see, once you stop fucking with stuff. Yeah. How soon? It's amazing how much I take her with shit now. <laughs> like I could be so much better if I didn't. If I just. Yeah. Stuck to the Emerson plan of like. Well, I've learned so stuff. much from you over the years. I mean, we've traveled so mm-hmm. much over mm-hmm. the years, and like, you know, I have my own ideas. But then working with you know, you know, talking with you, I feel like you know, everyone's different. No one can be exactly the same. Obviously, we yeah. have to find what what works for for um, the individual. But um, definitely, I would say you've done really well at fast tracking certain people. Yeah, most most of the freestyle shooters at Redwood Bowman that shot during your era mm-hmm. all were fast tracked to some degree. You know, like everyone, like you taught people how to tune bows and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. time everything. But I like how you said that that Wendell had that the mindset for archery. Yeah, you know, I think there's a certain level of ego that ruins a person. Absolutely, and I'll I'll tell you what what that mindset I think really boils down to is that he was eager to learn. He had open ears and applied everything that was, that was said and, and, you know, just allowed it to happen. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see, I could definitely see that. Like I remember when I first met Wendell, he was very, like, Exactly that he was. Yeah, he was. He was. He was quiet. He was actually pretty quiet. Right. Yeah. That's what now. That's what that ego. He's and that, a little different. That beast ego starts <laughs> fucking up your stuff, it's dude. A little bit different. Well, but, so when I just kidding, I love you, man. <laughs> I'll get when, you later. <laughs> when he when he first started showing some promise, and I mean, he showed promise right away, but but I think he he was starting to shoot decent. And, um, and I think we had agreed to, to shoot, um, an outlaws together and, and I told him, okay, we're going to shoot outlaws and you're going to stop messing with stuff. You're going to stop changing bows. Cause at that point you were like, <laughs> I had a couple bows. How many bows, how many bows did he, did he actually have? I want to know. I had, don't look at me. I don't know. <laughs> no, he's that was not, three years ago, no, the dude. Reason that, the reason I'm asking is he's not going to admit it. I had right. someone. Oh. Someone has to out him. No, I mean he at the he, time it was like was, five bows. <laughs> right, right, but he was running through just you know a couple of them. I was talking and, about draw length. You know, I didn't yeah, know what my draw yeah, length was. Draw length was changing wildly. Yeah, and and bow was swapping back and forth, and this and that and the other. And as soon as he just stuck with something for a while, it you could see the growth just very rapidly kind of things started catching yeah when as you so as you started getting better um did you have any particular archers or people that inspired you 
Um, you mentioned the internet. So yeah, were so you, I, what, what specifically was it watching a particular archer? I was watching all the archery that I could. So I was watching, uh, the pro archery series, which is awesome. Um, and you know, I was in awe of Dave cousins, just demolishing yeah. insane field rounds. And Dave's awesome. Yeah. He's, his shooting is pretty incredible. Yeah. And has been for like a crazy long time. Um, but then it was also, you know, all the, all the world stuff and, you know, watching Rio dominate in 2012 and, you know, watching all the, all that stuff, you know. Did you, did you borrow anything from watching those videos? Absolutely. I think, I think that's, that's what started getting me better more than, more than anything. You know, I, when I was sort of spinning my wheels with the book, I think, I think just absorbing watching really good shooters shoot, you know, Jesse Broadwater, I've taken a lot of, of my form from, from him and just, you know, just picking up little, seeing how a specific archer holds his hand in a specific sort of way and just focusing on that. And I used to just, I used to play a game of, watching the the usa um or the the world that is the world archery series um as soon as they would shot they would shoot their shot i would call it good or not good or not mm-hmm. and and just getting a feel for what a good shot looks like in that way i think is because it's once you really start paying attention to that pretty much every shot that you see someone shoot you know, barring a few, it's you can see whether it's going to be good or not, and you can start absorbing what a good shot looks like, mm-hmm. at least for that person. Yeah, whether or not they shot their shot. Yeah. Or they let it get away from them. Yeah, whether or not they shot their shot. Yeah. Who who specifically would you say probably, like, um, inspired you the most, or or I should say you, you you strive to uh, emulate. I mean, certainly. Certainly, uh, different people at different times, but overall, I think, I mean, probably Jesse Broadwater. Jesse Broadwater. It's hard to. Is it because you guys have the same soft spoken, <laughs> polite, humble demeanor, or, you I, know? I think, you know, it's. His shot is just such a. Just relaxed, mm-hmm. easy. He's kind of got like a little hand fluttery thing on, the, on yeah. his release hand, but you don't do yeah. that. And not not so much, but <laughs> you know, it's not like I'm trying to to. Uh, it's not like I've I've ever tried to emulate. Would you stop it, Jesus, dude? Is this your first podcast, <laughs> Rudy? Damn! It's Put the goddamn phone down. <laughs> it's not like I've ever tried to like emulate his shooting, right? Um, in particular, but um, but just seeing how he approaches his shot, I I don't know. It's that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, Rudy. How about you? Do you have someone who shot you try to emulate, or is yours like all conjured up from? Not really. Unfortunately, like I think uh, a lot of my information came from local shooters. Oh yeah, yeah. I would say uh, um, I learned a lot from like Buck Heron. Mm-hmm. Um and then as I started to get better, so I kind of probably had the inverse 
uh, experience that the Emerson had here. He started off reading books in the beginning, mm-hmm. whereas like I kind of had to learn by trial and error. Mm-hmm. And then and then as I got better, then I met other people that would be like, hey, maybe you try this, try that. That could help fast track you along the way. Yeah, and then, and then, um, but what I found was that all of that wasn't me. And so when I started, when I started working in the industry and, and helping others and teaching and, and in my pursuit of knowledge and, and, and reading books and going through to different, um, going, going to different, going to different events and, and getting information, then I felt like I started to develop my shot. Right. Yeah, I think I think that is just so key to becoming a better archer is developing your shot, finding what works for you, and um, and then just applying a ton of arrows uh-huh. into into really truly truly just 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 getting that rut in there mm-hmm. you know, getting something that you can fall into mentally and physically do you ever find that when you're shooting a gang of arrows like a whole bunch of arrows throughout the day it will be halfway through the day when you realize something you know like maybe you're you're lacking an ounce on one of your bars right. or something you find it halfway through it's yeah. like never at first but it's like a lot of times it's very close to the end of a session where I'll almost go home because I'm having a frustrated day, and then I shoot two more targets, and I go, oh, my gosh. There I, it is. There it is. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that happen to you a bunch where yeah. ten targets in, you're like, ping, there yeah. it is. And, yeah, it's sometimes pushing through that stuff is really worth it. Sometimes it doesn't pan out. And you're right. Just, you got to throw it, but you got yeah. to throw it at the wall and see if it sticks that yeah. day. But yeah, yeah. I know. Me personally, I model my shot off of. I think his name is Kim Jong Ho, the Korean like master who's. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think he's shooting Matthews too, but I know what it ends up looking like is you know what I think is Chris Perkins style, but everyone's saying Rio because I'm fat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's a little unfair. Yeah, it's way unfair. If you watch my shot, it is Kim Jong Ho's down to the T, right down to the X. All right. I mean, what it really is 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 you can look at someone and try and apply elements of their shot, right. but it's just gonna be it's gonna be applying that to your shot, right? It, but, but yeah, and you're seeing what sticks from there. You know, you're trying to apply their crap to your shot, and does any of it help you? Eh, no. Right. Yeah, maybe. Right. Well. I have a another question for you. We had somebody on our uh, Facebook page ask um, what, how you approach uh, choosing a scope housing for aiming. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the person asked if a do you use a pin versus a stick on dot, um, or um, and do does it change from field versus safari three D or you know or a nine hundred round or indoor? Yeah. I, I used to shoot just just a ring, um, and I really liked that. Um, but I was shooting pretty much exclusively field at that at that point. Was that a, a green ring? Uh, I think it was an orange ring. Orange ring on a four I, power lens. Yeah, on a four power lens. I've always shot four power, um, and um, but you know once you go over to an animal round or safari or blown out targets or 
weird stuff like that, then I feel like it, it can suffer a little bit in just how precise you can be. Um, but it is something that I keep on wanting to try out again. Um, right now I just shoot a, a circle and a, a dot with, with a little, a little white, um, a little white piece of paint or I think is, it's fingernail polish. Is your, uh, is your dot black? The dot's black. And your and ring. ring? Ring is orange. Gotcha. And it's, you know, the longer I shoot it, the long, the more I don't want to change it because it's really just what's comfortable to my eyes. Mm-hmm. I used to switch over to a chubby dot for indoors and it would cover about the 10 ring or just past. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I, I really liked that. And this year I tried it and it waked me out for some reason. And I just rolled with what I do for outdoors. Um, once I've shot a, a pin and, um, that was for R100. R100, yeah. Um, and I shot well, um, at the R100. I shot very well. Did you not win, or you got podiumed at least, right? I won one of them. One of the legs. One of the, the courses. Uh huh. They didn't do an overall. I I had highest overall score, but they sectioned it off. So I think I won one of them and didn't win the other one. Well, there was but, different courses that you shot and you would win. Yeah, the yeah. They had like a North American yeah. and then a not sure South why they African didn't have an overall. I was a little sour about that. So how did uh, how did the uh, pin affect you? Um, well, I had tar- target panic after that. I was also shooting a six power lens, and it was a little bit fuzzy, and so it wasn't it wasn't ideal. Um, so let's uh run me through what you have. So you have right now an or- an orange circle mm-hmm. with a with a little black dot. This is on a spark lens. On a spark, so you're so, shooting the spot hog spark. Yes, four power, six power. Um, four power. Four power. Okay. And um, I I love the spark. I I I like being able to center up in my peep regardless of light conditions. Mm-hmm. And I was finding back in the day that that especially on the longer targets, my peep would wander and I just wouldn't pay attention to it and I would get wild left and right. So I think that was a really good. Um, transition for me um yeah have you tried any anything else other than the spark like like yeah. like shrewd has if i know a few options with oh those i have rings yeah those look really cool um you know it's do you think it matters or is it just something that has multiple rings i what i like about those is it looks like it's a little bit nicer for glare it kind of covers more area but you know ultimately i doubt I doubt one will get you more points than the other unless one feels better. Yeah. You know, it's for, for me, it's, it's, I, I always want to try other stuff like that, but when it boils down to it, it's, it's not really going to gain me more points. You know, I keep wanting to stack more weight on because it will hold steadier, but it doesn't actually get me more points. And in the long run, actually, you know, nets me a point loss because breaks your breaks your shot down. Yeah, over oh, yeah. over time, I you know I don't shoot enough arrows these days to 
to so what would you shooting what would you way. suggest to a, a beginner archer or someone starting out would that be to maybe invest in in a couple different lenses um and or even yes. like pins or dots and just finding what gives you the least amount of anxiety no i would try something out and and see how that feels and if it doesn't feel terrible just work on the shot you know i i think i think um i think that stuff really is secondary you got to first work on work on your shot but at the same time there's there's a there's a balance between you have to try stuff out because sometimes trying something out makes you shoot objectively better mm-hmm. and so you got you have to find those in some way but but it's easy to just go down that hole and i've done it so many times where it's just you're spinning in circles playing with weights playing with tuning you know all sorts of stuff and it will just that time is so much better spent working your shot mm-hmm. and yeah get range it. time yeah getting out there and shooting yeah now um so i i can't really speak to to pins okay, and enough. stuff like that because that's just not really my wheelhouse real quick Rudy, what, what do you shoot on your scope uh right now i'm shooting a uh, a stick on dot that's uh orange uh-huh. with a little black dot in the middle of it so and it's not a ring like emerson's but it's the same it it's still orange with a, um, with a little black, little black dot, right? Just a little tiny one in the middle. Yeah. And, and I found like for me, um, it, it, for me, it helped to improve my long game with the uh, safari targets. Um, yeah. I have a really hard time seeing orange on, uh, in, con- in certain contrasted uh-huh. animals. Like for example, I can't see that orange well on the, on a white, on a white um on a white animal mm. and so um what helped was when i when i tried the orange um and that dot seemed so far away uh what was nice about it is that the orange would would sort of f- filter into the dot and the black would just be enough for me to pick up something contrasting in the target but because it it kind of blended in with the dot it, i didn't see as much movement Right. Okay. In, in the shot, yeah. and so mm-hmm. it allowed me to just execute. So so really improved my long game. Now on the close stuff, where now I have this big orange dot in front of me, and I could could see the orange contrast more within the dot and, and see the black a little better. And so it moved a, a, a little bit more around on me on the close stuff, but it's, close it's, close, it's a close stuff. It's yeah. a close shot. So, you know, on, on I... I so confident on those 40 and unders that it just didn't matter. Yeah. Right. I still, I still shoot a strong shot. So, so really just changing that color helped me, uh, really improve on those shots. Now in the past I have shot just a circle, uh-huh. just a hoop, j- just a hoop. Um, in fact, I even had one, one year and, uh, this is actually, this is the best score that I shot in, in Oregon. And that was a, um, it was made by Gunstar. It was one of these little clear circles. I've tried those. So so it actually had no color at all. It was just like a opaque ring with that you would put into the lens. 
and all it would do was change the middle a little bit fuzzy and so so what i know it was a trip but i, I shot really good with that and then really? I tried it for indoor, and it was just a wreck. Yeah. <laughs> it was a disaster. Yeah. And then, and then I think what happened was, and then I think I ended up selling that scope, and then I switched to a Spark with um, with a dot, and then um, and then that helped me even you know then I moved. So I've tried different lenses every year, mm -hmm. and, and it's funny because I was gonna along the lines with Emerson. It's hard to nail it down exactly which dot works the best i just think that from year to year our i mean we grow our bodies change our mind changes and we just got to find what works for us that year mm -hmm. you know one year the dot agreed with me and then one year it didn't yeah the next year i a fiber worked great uh -huh. and another didn't you know so yeah and wendell you shoot a, a 15 power is that right yes a 15 power lens made by hubble <laughs> and uh, I use a I use a black dot. I've actually been shooting the exact same black dot from since the beginning. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's just I, it but you're like shooting a, an eight power lens. Yeah. Now, Emerson, I mean, uh, sorry, Wendell, you've told me before, and and I find it very interesting. And I'm actually probably going to try it for indoor, mm -hmm. like going to an eight power lens and really seeing that X. Yeah, it's nice. And and putting a smaller dot in there so that yeah. it just sits in that X. My dot looks like a twenty-seven, twelve sized hole, you know, in the target. Yeah. So you just if you can punch a couple in in the beginning, you just put that, you know, that dot with where you want, yeah. you know, we want to group with. And, I uh, definitely have, have thought about trying out like a six power for for indoors. I've just always been scared of the uh, clarifier. Yeah, the clarifier but sucks. I don't know why, yeah. In Mechanicsburg, it was raining. Oh, and I had yeah. to take a can of air oh, with me why. and blow all my lenses out. Hurry up and take a shot, and then you know, blow all the lenses out. Right. And it was it was ridiculous. Yeah, but my arms are just too short to get away with four power. So one last question. Um, uh, Jonathan Johnson sent us a message and wanted us me to ask you specifically, and I think he kind of wants a sample of what people are doing, and and that's breathing. So for him, you know. Um, he he would like to know exactly how you approach it. I think right now what he's doing is he he said he's taking in, um, you know, like one one deep breath right before he comes to anchor, and then he slowly exhales. Yeah. You know what what how do you approach breathing, and how is that actually part of your process? Well, breathing is something that I I feel like I could stand to really invest some time into workshopping. Um, my issue is that every time I really start thinking about breathing, it makes me shoot really poorly. I don't know, I don't know what it is, but if I'm conscious of my breathing, I get, I get Amy and panicky. Um, and I'm not really sure why, but what I do is I breathe in, I take a breath, fairly deep breath in while I'm drawing the bow and then let some of it out and then stop the breath as I start that execution. In the past, even like one or two years ago, I would have a, a slow exhale as I shot the, sh the shot. But 
I've found that every time I try and pick that up again, I start getting weaker in the shot. And um, I don't know why it just doesn't really work for me anymore, but I kind of have to halt, halt the breath at, at a certain point. And under pressure, if I'm shooting in Vegas, that changes because, you know, when I'm at Vegas, I'm hyperventilating. And so under pressure situations, I will take a breath in as I draw the bow, take a breath out, settle in as I'm taking another breath. And then and it's just it just doubles the breath. Sounds um, like you're going through two whole breathing cycles per shot in Vegas. Right, right. And then outdoors, it seems like you're way more relaxed and you just don't even think about it to some extent. I, yeah. Yeah, I think, but just, but but it's but it's I, interesting. You're at least sometimes you know it's it in a shoot off shot or something like that. I will I will do the the double breath if I'm if I'm really feeling the nerves. Um, I just feel like I can't get enough enough air, and I just need to have taken a breath closer to my execution. I see. Well, that I would like to be a fly on the wall, experiencing <laughs> Emerson shooting in Vegas, just <laughs> and you just hear. <laughs> The the first year that I shot in the championship division, and I was all the way on the end, right next to the photographer, clicking away. I just, I, I, I could barely stand up. (laughs) You know, you know what I think we need to practice this indoor season is we should probably be doing exactly that, like taking pictures and like recreating some pretty awkward situations. Yeah, yeah. be all over. That's why the the Bay Area Open is awesome for that. I think. I think that one might be the most nervy of the local indoor shoots. Well, because you guys are live streaming it. Oh and, yeah, and people might say stupid shit while they're on that live stream. Yeah, man. Well, who knows? Do that. <laughs> that certainly some pretty outlandish things have been said on that live stream. Oh yeah. Uh, going but, back uh, to the breathing, but anyways, <laughs> Rudy, do you have a breathing process? Um, I've I've thought about it when I'm not shooting. Mm-hmm. So, so I've recently have made it a goal to start breathing through my nose and not being a mouth breather. Mm. And so, um, when, when, uh, in the past, when you told me about meditation and how, mm-hmm. you know, that helps you, uh, I, I started Googling and going through YouTube and, and, and looking into it more. And I stumbled across, um, someone that talked about, just in general health, breathing through your nose. Um, as, as a culture, we've kind of moved away from that. And so actually, um, I, I kind of have added that more into my, in my visualization as opposed to like when I'm actually shooting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I, I have experienced the same thing you are when if you're trying to think about breathing, it's, it's something else to be thinking about that takes you away from focusing on the shot itself. Yeah, exactly. I, and, I, I, my mind wanders from the shot to my breathing, and then I'm not in my shot. I mean, I basically only need to think about one thing. I mean, once that dot hits the middle yeah. of that, that orange, I'm, I'm just trying to keep that back end just Right. But I think going. there's something to be said about focusing on breath because I think so much of the archery shot relates really directly to meditation and like focus. Flow, flow state maybe flow state and and just being in the present and and the breath can really facilitate that so I think I think there's 
room somewhere into really utilizing the breath in a good way in the shot. I haven't found it personally, but um, I don't think it can be done consciously though. I don't think that's something that I think it has to happen. No, but you can and, workshop and, it constantly. I have, yeah, I can have it, but so to give you an example, I had a student who uh, was on the um, JDT team for Olympic recurve. Yeah. Um, and on one of the camps that he went to, they, they, um, they introduced this program called OptiBrain where it is an app that was developed to help the student learn to focus. Uh-huh. And and what they did was they put these mu sensors on your brain and they mapped your brainwave patterns. And and the whole idea was um, there was two ways to use the program. You would either look at your iPhone or iPad uh-huh. and and you would learn to focus on an object and so you would have to control your breathing, control your your thoughts and and it would bring and and focus on the target until it became clear and then and then you would get a pass, the arrow would go in the middle. And then the other way the program worked was more from a distraction training um, part where it would um, be playing a, a a song from your iTunes playlist, mm-hmm. and the volume would be really loud and obnoxious when your brain wasn't when you weren't right. focused. And then as you learn to control your breathing and and focus on on the target, right. then then the music would shut itself off. Right. And so it was a so I think from like a program like that or or practicing your breathing outside of the actual shot itself. Right. I don't think the brain can. Well, I don't think you can consciously be doing like twenty things at once. Right, but I here's where I think it has its merits. Is what you could do is slave your shot to your breath. If you workshop that enough consciously, where your breath triggers the shot, mm-hmm. where if then if you're focusing on your breath, then you're focusing on your shot, because if you work it in enough, in practice, where you're you're slaving the different parts of your shot as a shot process and how it directly relates to your breath, then I feel like you could use your breath as just a very clean slate that you can always go to. Mm-hmm. Well, in a Olympic recurve, they teach that. Yeah. During during the aiming and expansion step of, of your aiming, like it's... But then are the, they are the they breathing. consciously just focusing on their breath and and it's triggering their so, execution? I think it's the way you explained it where like in workshop they practice right. it and then it comes out subconsciously in the in the in, right, but, in the moment of, of when they're not physically shooting the bow. But I'm talking about consciously thinking about your breath as you're shooting under pressure. That way you're not thinking about your shot. All of your shot is subconscious. Your conscious is falling back to. So your the way breath. it was taught to us was, um, you you take one, there's two breathing cycles in your entire shot cycle. Yeah. All right, and and this is what's actually uh, printed in, in one of Coach Lee's books, right? And um, the the second breath happens right before, um, and someone can correct me if we're wrong about this. If I got it completely wrong, someone can correct us. But they but, will. But what? Oh, I'm sure they will. Um, <laughs> Bottom line is, is when as the when you get to the aiming and expansion phase, you you bring your lung capacity down to about three quarters of the lung. Yeah, that and you pause. Right. You don't hold your breath, but you pause, and and just that small buildup of in your chest causes yes. the chest to expand. And if you're in that proper hold, meaning you have both proper right. bone structure alignment and everything's in line, then that's what pushes that last two millimeters through the right. clicker, and then and that's when the shot happens. And so it's more, it's, it's a pause. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. What, what do you do? 
Well, it's exactly what you're saying about... I, I have drilled something from the beginning of holding my breath. Yeah. I, I know this is not something that you're supposed to do. I don't, never heard anyone say, hold your breath. But I hold my breath. And when I, I'm a mouth breather, Rudy. When I draw back, I go... <gasps> and, <laughs> and I'm not even joking. And then I hold it. I, I'm trying. But I push I all the air... I push all the air down low. Like, uh, like those yogis that do all that... Uh, hypertrophic breathing or whatever, right. and I push it down low, and that's why my gut sticks. It's not because I'm fat, all right. It's it's not because it's not because I'm fat. It's because I'm pushing all that air out, lead belly, you know. Mm-hmm. And then my shot is built on top of that, you know. The draw and everything is braced right. against my diaphragm right. and, and everything. My core is rock solid because I'm all full of air. Right. So. Oh, you're full, all right. <laughs> just kidding. But it's exactly what you're saying. Everything's slaved to kind of that, you know. As much as yeah. you don't want to be slaved to something as simple as your breath. So then, do you, when under pressure, do you fall back to consciously thinking about your breath? It's it's all part of the the shot process. That's step one. Is as I'm drawing, I'm going <gasps> right. So, I know you, so you're doing it, but are you consciously focusing solely on on your breath when you're shooting under pressure? Do you mean like in between? No, meaning no, like you draw the bow the and then shot. you're saying to yourself, okay, taking that full lung and hold it there. Yeah. You yeah. are telling because, yourself to do it. Yeah. Okay. I need a full lung of air to brace right. my core. But is that is that where your conscious brain is is kind of residing primarily is in your breath or is it more in your shot and the breath is oh, part of that shot? Yeah. I, I guess it would be the latter then right. because I have a lot going on in my mind about the front end and back end. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the gradual, yeah. you know, the gradual shot. So right. I have something interesting to say about this then, because in the past when you and I have been talking about um, how we felt today or what we were working on or what, you know, at some of these shoots in the past, you've told me that when you're shooting that from day to day or from event to event, you, you have something that is your primary focus, meaning something that you, right. you know, I'm just going to make something up. Let's say in, in Oregon, it was really focusing on the back end. Um, in Lodi, it was maybe work, keep, you know, making your shot, but focusing on the front end. Right. You know, uh, you, uh, you're you adapting as your body, as needed. You, right. you know what you need to be focusing on for that shoot. Right. And it that's that's tied to to the end goal of that is just readjusting so that I'm at my shot. Right. But so, but breath could be one of those things, meaning like... Yeah, potentially. If if, if, uh, if I start if thinking about my breath properly, during a tournament, though, I'm totally you're, screwed. You're, you're, that's, well, that's your kryptonite. <laughs> right. I guess so. <laughs> so, so if you guys so, shoot so, off so with him, be like, hey, just, just breathe, breathe brother. Just breathe. <laughs> just oh, breathe. No. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because, like, you, you know, in coaching, you have to learn what your students need and so like every person's different yeah. so for someone else it might be like distracting you from right from from having to focus on something like that so right well i should say i should say if i'm focusing on my breath doing something other than what i'm used to okay i can focus on my breath and how it relates to a good shot yeah you know but if i try to change things up or, or, you know, make it my sole focus or, or something like that, then, then it starts getting a little screwy, but you know, I'm still, I'm still 
reminding myself of my breath. And especially when I'm nervous, I am I have to consciously uh, adjust my breath so that so that I can shoot a strong shot, even though you know my heart is racing and I need to breathe a little bit more. I will I will just adjust it, and that doesn't mess with my with my head because I know I know how that works for me. Yeah. Well, this has all been really good. I think we covered a lot of stuff on this episode. Um, I think we should probably do another one soon. I'm down. And uh, we did call it the Emerson Moncrez Chronicle, so it has to be <laughs> more than one. Um, I, I I also have received messages from a lot of people, and uh, I can't co- we obviously can't cover everything in one day, but. Uh, People want to know what you do with your bow setup. How how do you set up a bow? Mm-hmm. Um, in general, they want to know they want to know that some of the technical details. So, would you be willing to come back and talk about some some technical stuff? Yeah, absolutely. And we can maybe kind of go through. You know, between the three of us, we have the two most popular bows that are shot by most people, and and yeah. you've actually shot both of them, which which is the Prevail and and the trx and i think you could probably give some really good insight on um you know to people on i think they all could on both you know yeah i i definitely down to come back and do another one and i would love to get into a little bit more nitty-gritty of like what wendell was talking about with the you referred to the relaxed the gradual shot. Oh yeah. The gradual shot. And the mantra. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I'm glad that that we'll cover what you want to cover, but this is called Rudecast Emerson Moncrez. So, no, yes, I'm, I'm just joking. Yes, I'm just joking. Uh, it's like start your own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Emerson, thank you so much. You've been um, a, a complete uh, pleasure having you here. Um, is there? any way for people to follow you would you care for people to follow you? do you have an instagram facebook smoke signal uh nah you're, you're good <laughs> this good. dude's a monk in the mountains i'll, I'll tell in you the what Oakland mountains. i'll tell you I what mean, if you, you google emerson monk race no don't do that you will you will hey, find some really awesome just, stuff you're just gonna see him on to catch hey. a predator hey Cut this out. All right. We're, 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 okay. With that, I say we're done. Uh, have a good night, everybody. Peace out. Guys. That will conclude this evening's entertainment.